0: Please pray with me as I say the prayer of, pray the prayer of illumination. Holy God, word made flesh, let us come to this word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment, confound our expectations clear the cobwebs from our ears, penetrate the corners of our hearts with this word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation. As Peter is installed today, install in us with the blessing to be strong and courageous and not to be frightened or dismayed by this world For we know you will not fail us or forsake us. For you are with us wherever we go. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The Old Testament reading today is from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you wish to follow along, it is on page 192 of the Bibles. In the pews. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law, that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn it from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may, may be successful wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. Then, For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: It is a very special privilege to be included in this service of worship today. uh, An important time in the life of someone who has been dear to me for more than 30 years and continues to be one of my best friends. So I thank you for this privilege. Listen now for the word of God as it comes from the letter to the Hebrews. I'm beginning to read at the 39th verse of the 11th chapter. The 11th chapter is sometimes spoken of as a roll call of the heroes of the faith, Uh, beginning all the way back in the first of the Old Testament with Abel and coming all the way through to almost the time of the writer. And now we come to these latter verses in the end of that chapter and the first two verses of the next chapter. Listen for the word of God. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many people in other segments of the Christian communion make a lot more of this past Thursday than we Presbyterians do. But it's not without importance to us. This past Thursday, in case you missed it, is what we call All Saints Day. And of course, it comes on uh, uh, immediately following All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, which has become a pretty important thing in American culture, whether or not you have any connection with Christian faith or not. But this is a sermon about the communion of the saints. We say those words Sunday by Sunday, just after we say the Holy Catholic Church, and just before we say, the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the communion of saints. Or let's put it another way. I believe that I could not be a Christian all by myself. I believe that I have communion. I have community. That is, I have a special fellowship and interaction and participation with the saints And at least in our Reformed tradition within the Christian family, we believe that the word saint does not apply exclusively to some very select group of super-Christians who were singled out by someone at one time or another and given the label saint as a sort of add-on first name like St. Christopher, St. Teresa, St. Francis, St. Clear. Not just that elite, we believe that all faithful people deserve that title. So St. Stephanie or St. Harold, or St. Mary Allen, or St. Fred. (laughs) Saints are all of us who have been chosen by God to take faithful responsibility for the world in which we live. And we come in all shapes and sizes, all genders and races, in all times and places, circumstances and occasions of life. Both scripture and personal experience confirm our belief that we belong to the communion of the saints. So now let's take scripture first of all. Maybe it's because I'm kind of a jackleg historian, but one of my favorite New Testament passages is that 11th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. It has been called, as I said, a roll call of the heroes of faith. And in keeping with the idea that all faithful saints, it's not only, it does not only deal with the big hitters. It also deals with some people who are not so well-known Oh, of course, the major players are there. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, Samuel. But then when you get home, take a look at the list of the rest of those people. There's some unlikely names on the roster as well. There's Abel, the first homicide victim. And there's Enoch, who did not see death. And then there are a few obscure judges like Barak and Gideon and Jephthah and even a Palestinian prostitute whose name is Rahab. Those people were the saints for the writer of Hebrews, that whole collection, large and small, well-known and ill-known, and they're bound together over time and space by what you might call a highest common denominator, by the factor of faith. And faith, as the writer says, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, the scripture we heard also says that those faithful people, however dedicated and noteworthy they were in God's economy, are actually not as well off as we are. Since the text insists God had foreseen something better so that they, apart from us, they might not be made perfect. They are perfected, it says, in us. But let's qualify that in a hurry, perfected not by who we are, for goodness sake, but because of who God in Christ is in our behalf. Those people are tied to these people, and all of us are in this together because of the presence of the Christ. Peter, is this water okay? (laughs) Thank you. So, we believe... In the communion of the saints and we belong to that communion that's what the bible says and the testimony of personal experience surely says the same thing we believe in the communion of the saints not simply because the bible tells us so but also because of what has happened to each one of us in some here and now worshiping in this congregation some sunday or some other day or some other setting in some other time and place. We believe in the communion of the saints because it's happened to us. Quick example. Wednesday of this week. I happened to drive by the church in which I grew up on All Hallows Eve. And I realized in passing that I was surrounded by ghosts as I drove down East Moorhead Street in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, not literal ghosts, of course, though there may be some who still have some scores to settle. (laughs) But I mean ghosts as memories of faithful people there who meant something in my own faith journey these 80 years. Parents, of course, and other relatives, ministers, and others who took a special interest in me. Sunday school teachers, DCEs, fellowship advisors, church officers, there was Miss Jean Isom, who was the sweetest cradle roll teacher you ever met in your life, and Miss Trudy Higdon, who lived 30 years thinking she might be able to teach something to fifth and sixth graders. <laughs> and there was Cliff Turner who believed that the best hymn ever written was uh, Blessed Assurance. And then there was Mr. Jim Williams who stopped me one day and said, I've got something for you. And he gave me a Bible, and he said, I think you might want to consider going to seminary. And then there was Janie Hover, the DCE, who taught us manners as well as morals. Now, names that don't mean a thing to you all, I know, but they're very much a part of my spiritual DNA, my communion of saints. And I would bet that everyone in this room can come up with your own list. I don't know who they are, but you do. And it might do all of us some good from time to time to try to go back and share those names with one another. Oh, you might want to go back as far as Hebrews 11, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. But then you've got to add your old roll call that belongs just to you. Those faces in your cloud of witnesses, if you will, people who have taught you what it means to be a Christian. Because that's where we're all from, both in our own lives and in our experience as members of the body of Christ. So now let's take this idea of communion of saints a step further. The things about our faith which are so clear as we look toward the past must have some, some pertinence to our presence and to our future as well. Don't you think it likely that our faith inheritance, each one of ours, our spiritual gene pool, if you will, might have some, be some sort of prologue to what is yet to come? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German martyr, in World War II, once wrote from prison to his friend, Eberhard Beitge, that the person who forgets, that the person, quote, who feels neither responsibility toward the present nor desire to shape the future is the person who has lost the capacity for faith. Listen to that again. The person who forgets, the person who feels neither responsibility towards the past nor desire to shape the future is the person who has lost the capacity for faith. In Christian faithfulness, says our New Testament lesson, the past is always prologue to the future. Those good old days are incomplete without these good new days in which we live, which are gifted to us by God for faithful living. All these died in faith, the text says, about those heroes and sheroes, yet they were they were commended yet though they were commended for their faith they did not receive what was promised since god provided something better so that they would not apart from us be made perfect therefore it goes on i quote the rest of it for you since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was before him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. End quote. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, it says. Women and men in early times and in our times were there to remind us what it means to have been claimed by the Christ. Witnesses who remind us ever and always that the body of Christ is always going to be the more than the sum of its parts. Witnesses whose creative testimony in varied seasons and circumstances always insist that new occasions teach new duties. That Christian life is a pilgrimage rather than a stroll along the beach. Witnesses whose faithfulness should always remind us that the Church of Jesus Christ is one very special community, that it is not just a default position like Noah's Ark, about which old Tertullian once said that if it were not for the storm outside, you couldn't stand the smell inside. (laughs) No, not a Noah's Ark, but a vital agency of God's redemptive power in the midst of a wild and weary world, an agency in which the centripetal force of the Christian gospel will always be stronger than the centrifugal force of our inadequacy, our stupidity, our selfishness, our sinfulness. We are surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, cheering us on because they, without us, are not perfected. Cheering us on to lay aside all the liabilities and prejudices and encumbrances and run the race which is set before us with determination. The lesson of the Christian life in the communion of saints is, among other things, quite clearly a lesson of discipline and perseverance. That cloud of witnesses exists to apply some sort of friendly pressure upon our lives. It's there to remind us that the Church of Jesus Christ is a very special human community unlike any other organization we'll ever find. That cloud of witnesses can compel us not to dwell upon the past or upon some precious little present, but upon a future which belongs entirely to God. That cloud of witnesses can say to those of us beset by negative feelings, by fear, by guilt, by alienation, by anger, that God's steadfast love will overpower all that and more that cloud of witnesses can tell those of us who are stymied by inadequacy or dullness of heart and mind that we can and we will learn to love all sorts and conditions of God's people and love them well that cloud of witnesses can remind us that those who who are stymied by dullness of heart can indeed transcend themselves can be and act and do better than they know how, following the example of the heritage they provide. And what a word is that? What a word for a nation and a world like the one we see around us just now. This past Friday evening, Missy and I went to Shabbat services at Temple Kol Tikva in our town. And as a part of the shiva that was prayed for those people who died in Pittsburgh, the rabbi prayed a prayer that really hit home on exactly this point. He prayed through that list of people, those heroes I mentioned to you earlier, and he said, as thou hast blessed them in days gone by, now make us a blessing to those who live today. The cloud of witnesses can testify to those of us who are disturbed by the frailties and contingencies of this life that it is not the quantity of life which has meaning, it is the quality which will finally count. That the one who would be greatest among us must be the least. The one who would save her life must be willing first to lose it. And isn't it interesting to note, I know you've heard this from Peter, but the Greek word which we translate as witness is the word martus, from which we derive the word martyr. A hint that the possibility of suffering in this race may be a part of our mutual perfection. Well, in a word, there's a great deal of spiritual and moral adrenaline in the testimonies of that cloud of witnesses who who surround us. Testimonies that can give us the sort of consciousness and conscience, the sort of spirituality molded into conviction which can make our prayers and our deeds become one and the same those witnesses, those faces in the clouds, stand behind us. And that should be no small comfort, for there is about their accomplishments and style of life a ring of authenticity which gives meaning to our own lives because they also depend upon us. They give us the courage to lay aside every weight and to run with perseverance. And the text concludes they also provide us with a common focus, a focus of life, which is ultimately the secret of their worth and ours as well, looking to Jesus as pioneer, as vanguard and venturer, showing us how to live that life of faith, which we have come to call the Christian life, loving the enemy and the unlovely, feeding the hungry, healing the sick and lame, dealing with the anguish and anxiety of being human. Jesus, a moral example, to be sure. But Jesus, also, our Savior, following this matter of our mortality right on through life to death, just like the rest of us, and then leading us to life again. Now, one more thought, and then I'm done. Do you ever get time to wonder what it is that you have done or will do in this life that could possibly be worth remembering 100 years from now? I heard a while ago that one out of four of your great-grandchildren is likely even to know your name, much less anything about your aspirations or accomplishments. In all things considered, I reckon that's okay insofar as the temptation to some sort of genealogical idolatry is concerned. I know I'm close to Charleston, but I say it anyway. (laughs) But within the body of Christ, it's entirely a different matter. The prospects for continuity and consistency of commitment and character for the people of God are more sanguine by far, and that's the way it's supposed to be. We have an inheritance to convey to those who follow, and we are all in this thing together. Something new is always about to happen in God's plan for the church, and the witness and testimony of future generations of Christians will perfect our own faulty and fallible efforts in the time being which is given to us. And it seems to me that lays a very definite obligation upon those of us Who belong just now. One thing it means is that we shall stay in and with the church. And it also means that we shall stay with openness and charity. And it means that we shall love brothers and sisters in Christ. And all other of God's children, by the way. Even in times when we find it hard to like them. We'll find ways to disagree without being disagreeable. And it means that we shall obey both ends of that scriptural obligation to speak the truth in love. It means that we shall value the unity and peace of the body of Christ far more than the short-term vitality of our own opinions. In fine, it means that we shall continue to treasure our belief in the communion of saints as those who can gain so much more from it than we can ever give. We believe in the communion of saints and thank God for the gift of that belief Amen